1: The following program was pre recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
0: It's time now for a smart, plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker, a Parker Daniels keyboard, wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker.
2: I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his directions. It's Sunday, Bernie 4 o'clock, and what does right that mean? So it I means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and each week we talk politics, Israel, and the law. And uh, I want to first say thank you and welcome back. To many of our long-time listeners, and uh, welcome to the first-time listeners, who will soon be long-time listeners, God willing. You can hear us each Sunday, 4 to 5, live on 1280 AM, The Patriot, or 1570, Freedom 1570, on the AM dial from 6 to 7 p.m., the show so you can live stream coast to coast, pick us up on podcasts, you know, you go to that little icon on your phone and just put in my name and you'll find us right there over 300 episodes. Uh, ranging in guests from uh, Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith here, Democrats in the state of Minnesota to Ben Shapiro and Rudy Giuliani. Uh, a few years ago on the show, and, and even uh, much more recent than that. And today we have a very special show, as we're going to talk about perhaps the most important, but certainly one of the most important subjects and issues in, of our day, affecting democracy, affecting our freedom and liberty. Foundational issues, and that is about election integrity. Something, uh, as you all know, I know something about as I'm uh, working on pretty much daily now in defense of free speech. And that is on behalf of Mike Lindell to speak out about his views regarding election integrity and specifically the 2020 election. Agree with him. Disagree. It is a big issue in the public square, and the marketplace of ideas should be robust in this country and not shut down. We have seen it shut down dramatically over the last several years. And today we are joined by uh, really a very special guest who is in the know on such subjects related to election integrity, Jason Cole of uh, the Arsenal Media Group. And Jason is a media consultant on all things politics. He's got uh, an exceptional background in handling uh, political campaigns, many of which you know about very well, as he's been at the cutting edge of important issues, uh, including those involving election integrity. And is involved with uh, an organization, relatively newly formed organization uh, uh, called Voters uh, Trust, Voter Trust, here in the United States as they are pushing for legislation across jurisdictions to bring us back to some sanity when it comes to voting and when it comes to counting the vote. And so we welcome to the Victory Hour, Jason Cole. Jason, welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I, uh, I want to give our listeners a little sense of your background and how you got to such involvement on the issue of election integrity just, uh, you know, 15 to 20 years ago. Uh, this was not an issue on people's radar In fact, five years ago, it wasn't much on the radar, though it probably should have been. Uh, But certainly since COVID, it is. Uh, Jason, how how do you come to your background as it relates to the issues of election integrity? Well, I I think I'm older than a lot of
1: people working in politics right now, at least on the, the campaign side and the fact that I. Uh, was involved in 2000 and 2004. So that was kind of a basis of knowledge around how elections are conducted, how absentee ballots are going out, what collections look like. Um, and then oh, 20, that would we be saw,
2: post the hanging Chad. Uh, yeah, post hanging Chad.
1: So, I mean, there was uh, uh, obviously in 2000, you had a lot of heat around the issues. There was a lot of contention. Uh, so that was my first entry into into politics. And you fast forward to 20 and the rules are, are drastically different with COVID. Uh, you had ballots just being mailed out to voter rolls that involve tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of people that we know don't live at those addresses. Those ballots can be returned by anyone who fills them out, whether it's against the law or not. Um, and then you had paid employees funded you know, by bucks in some cases in other cases by actual uh, Democratic machinery not going to endorse the collect ballots that were sent to those addresses. Uh, And that created a completely different electoral system than has historically been in place in the country. So Voters Trust was really looking at the 2020 rules. It was like, why would those continue to be in effect when COVID's not around anymore? Just as a baseline issue, there's no need for them to be in effect. The goal of elections isn't to collect as many ballots as possible. The goal of elections is every living citizen in a jurisdiction can choose its own leadership. Um,
2: Jason, so, what, what's your background in politics that brought you to have such an interest? Uh, well, I worked uh, for uh, for uh, President Bush
1: way back, uh, way back during those elections um, and then worked in D.C. for him and then actually moved to Minneapolis and uh, was an entrepreneur, founded a couple companies. Uh, and in 2020, with COVID, took that opportunity to dive back into politics uh, and started Arsenal Media Group. We worked on um, uh, quite a few different campaigns, but specifically the one that I think trained my eye on this was being involved with uh, uh, Carrie Lake uh, from the get-go in uh, late 2021 through uh, this election this past November. So you had a deep basis of knowledge, I guess. Um, you could say being brought uh, um, brought to us in the historic uh, uh basis of how Maricopa County conducted elections. And when you look at 2022, like there was nowhere that you had greater election irregularities in Maricopa County. I think in Abe Hamaday's case, who's the attorney general candidate in that state, you have something like he lost by just times. a few hundred
2: votes, didn't he?
1: Yeah, it was like 300 votes. And yeah. then you have like 29,000 uh, more ballots counted than voters that were recorded as going inside of the state right now. Um, so there's no way you can have those numbers, regardless if you say a Democrat won or a Republican one and actually have confidence in what those are. I mean, you have 30x the margin um, of just what we know those aren't accurate votes. Like, so that's it's a level of absurdity that when people gaslight you and say you can't question it, it, it always really chafes me. And the best way to do that is to change the rules of how you are counting those votes so people have confidence in the process and there's an audit trail for people to go back and look at. And Florida is the one state that's gotten that right in we no know, small part what to are the, the failures of 2000.
2: One of the things I want to come back to Florida for sure in our uh, discussion, uh, but your work directly with Carrie Lake, and she has become a national figure, certainly, uh, and a, you know, widely assailed uh, political figure in the United States, mm-hmm. attacked viciously and consistently. Uh, Having worked closely with her, what are are your judgments regarding her? And has uh, some of the attack against her uh, overflowed and and tainted uh, you at all? Um, You know, I think
1: everyone in politics gets roughed up from time to time. Uh, I I would say this after working with dozens and dozens of people, uh, Carrie is the kindest and probably most pure of heart and focused person that I have ever encountered in politics. Like she was delight as a candidate. And regardless of any criticism coming her way, she is not doing any of this for her own self-aggrandizement or to make money. Like she had a very, very comfortable career um, in Phoenix without any controversy. And she gave it up because she fought for what was right.
2: You know, it's, uh, it's interesting when you hear that from people who really know her, have worked closely with her, versus those who have journalistic personal interests who write about her, it really is a juxtaposition that causes you to pause and think for a minute. Uh, Because many people who have never met Carrie Lake before have drawn their impressions regarding her and have cemented them, in fact, Uh, in many respects, perhaps unfairly, Uh, For Mm -hmm. sure, as you uh, as it would most likely be unfair uh, to cement such ideas about anybody that you've never even met and you're relying on journalism and the media. We're going to be right back for uh, discussions regarding election integrity with somebody who really has studied it and spent a lot of time with it. And that is Jason Cole of the Arsenal uh, media group and also involved with. Voters Trust, uh, a non, uh, nonprofit organization that is focused on going out and developing and creating uh, new sets of legislation, state upon state, jurisdiction upon jurisdiction, that brings integrity back to our electoral system. We'll be right back with Jason Cole. Uh, during this short break, go to ParkerDK.com. Learn about Premier Law Firm, downtown Minneapolis. Wise Counsel winning results. Parker Daniels Keyboard. ParkerDK.com will be right back. Stay with us. We're back. It's the Victory Hour. Politics, Israel and the law each week. How can you take it all? I mean, it's just coming at us like a fire hose we're drinking from, isn't it? Well, today, nothing more important than what we discuss uh, on the show, and that is election integrity. And what are the problems? What are the issues? And where and how might we discuss solutions? and really get them implemented. We're talking to Jason Cole of Voters Trust. You can go to VoterTrust.org votertrust.org, for the website and uh, check it out, see how you can donate and get involved. Jason, uh, as we were talking on the other side of the break a little bit about election integrity and maybe you can give us a sense of the history compounding the problems that we now find ourselves dealing with. And by the way, very importantly, this transcends the red team, blue team. This transcends political party and labels. We are talking about vote integrity, voter integrity to make sure that all citizens openly and easily are able to vote, but that only those who should be voting are voting, and then finally that the vote is counted accurately. Those are the things we need to do, and everyone should want that across the board. So what is the history, Jason, of the problems, the issues that we are now seeing in some of the crazy, uh, vote counts that, uh, are actually being tallied and we're electing members of Congress, just federally members of Congress, as well as the president with. Well, um,
1: one of the main problems, uh, is just the integrity of, uh, a, a ballot, the chain of ballot custody. Um, when you look at, changing election day into election season and having lived over a decade in Minnesota, you know, it's 40 plus days at this point in time, uh, that creates an entire issue set of where ballots are being stored over time. People are turning voter rolls. People can look at who's voted and, you know, being a consultant, like I can look at, you know, what ballots have been turned in or checked off by a registrar and have a good approximation of where things are sitting at all points in time. Um, and as someone who's working in elections, like you, you can see where that creates um, issues. But some of the newer things that came around uh, during COVID and post-COVID that really caused issues were the degree of ballot harvesting across states. That had been a California uh, sort of West Coast, where every where everyone votes by mail. So and Colorado, describe Washington. what ballot
2: harvesting is for those who may not know.
1: Yeah. So ballot harvesting would be if I'm running a campaign, I actually have employees that go knock on doors of a Republican or a Democrat and ask for your ballot and then take that piece of paper and then put it in a box. So that type of ballot harvesting is designed. um, I mean, it should be illegal. In Florida, it's actually a third degree felony punishable with five years in prison uh, and a $5,000 fine for for taking part in it if you're beyond a direct direct member of your household turning in a mail ballot. Um, So you can't turn in someone else's ballot. That's the illegal piece. That's not if it's not a direct family member, you can't. Uh, And it's a felony in Florida and it should be a felony everywhere. I mean, there's a level of absurdity to it that I can have a paid employee that I put incentives on based upon how many ballots they collect. That's going out and then incentivizing other people to give ballots in. And the problem of that isn't what I've said. But when you combine that with doing bulk mail voting, which is. Every registered voter is getting a ballot that can be turned in, that's hot, sent to their address. You end up with places near colleges and places that have a high turnover of registered voters getting four five, sometimes nine ballots sent to the same address. And if you have a paid canvasser that's incentivized to collect so many ballots, they're going to be you know, going there to collect that. Um, It's similar, like you'll end up with certain addresses, uh, whether it be near a homeless center or a vacant lot, the homeless are being registered at where you'll have hundreds of registered voters in some states. Uh, And I mean, that's not an exaggeration that that has been borne out in multiple investigations by Judicial watch. The Heritage Foundation has dozens and dozens of cases of this identified on their website. So
2: let's drill down on it for a second. So what you're saying is. Uh, a number of in transient areas, a number of yeah. uh, ballots could be sent to the same address they 're blank when they 're sent there, and someone yeah. could fill out all those ballots uh, and then give them to a ballot harvester or go ca- put them in a uh, a box themselves uh, and vote all of those uh, ballots. But isn't there aren't there safeguards where you've got to have signature verification uh, for such ballots? Yeah, I I smile when I say that, by the way. Yeah, I mean,
1: there are uh, when they're used. But when you look at signature verification, I think there's there's two primary issues. One, if I have signature verification, like on a credit card receipt, people scribble all the time. And, that you know, you're going to end up with not getting to 100% match uh, w- with people generally. The second more important issue is you still have a human being that's running a piece of software and signature verification. And if you don't have legislation in place saying the software needs to show at least an 85% match, or that if you don't have election observers observing the signature verification, where they can point to it and be like, well, I'm challenging that ballot, put it over here for adjudication. Which COVID completely got rid of across the country, then you don't have signature verification. You have someone like you saw in the Lake lawsuit where they're spending less than a second on each ballot just auto approving everything that's coming up on the screen. Uh, and you create those types of holes within the system. So it, it, when we look at election integrity, it's talking about win or lose. Everyone has confidence in the result. Therefore, your rules shouldn't be creating something where there be a Democrat or a Republican that loses that the other side lacks that confidence in the result.
2: Um, you know, and that's, it, it, you know, it, extraordinarily weak. To to be clear and to let folks know, many know that that I represented uh, Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham in the injunction action prior to the election uh, in order to enjoin electronic voting machines because of the vulnerabilities related to the machines and therefore the lack of reliability. On the count, these machines count the vote. Uh, Just to be clear, though, our law firm does not and did not represent Carrie Lake in her election challenge case, which is what Jason is referring to, uh, the challenge to the election and signature verification, uh, because I've been following the case somewhat uh, more as an interested, interested observer. Signature verification was a significant issue in the uh, challenge in Arizona involving the governor's race as well as other races there. Uh, So, Jason, uh, you know, the other side of this coin is are, are those who will argue that the number of safeguards that are in place to make sure that only eligible voters Cast a vote, and that they are counted accurately uh, will say that they're, th- these safeguards protect against the sort of illegal fraud that you're talking about. And what what say you?
1: No, any safeguard or rule you put in place is only as good as it's implemented. Um. So, I mean, when we talk about signature verification, like in theory, that sounds like a good safeguard. It's something for us to talk about. We can agree upon if two signatures match that that vote should be counted. But if it's not being implemented by the county officials that are there at that point in time, it loses its meaning. At that point in time, it's just a talking point to be on TV and for people to shout at each other about.
2: Well, and the other point, I think, is that signature verification results in enormous disagreement, over whether a signature has been verified. It used to not be that big of a deal because the mail-in ballot total numbers and absentee ballots was relatively small. And so the fights would end up being relatively small and immaterial in any event. But nowadays, uh, mail-in ballots and same-day voting is now small. (laughs) Mail-in ballots and pre-voting is the norm. You know, it, it it is.
1: And when you look at states and it differs, um, it differs quite a bit from state from state to state or municipality, to municipality. Like one thing that's essential in any mail in ballot is that you actually have an identification number that's going along with it, whether it be the driver's license number or state ID. And when you have jurisdictions that have mail in ballot happening without that, it just invites fraud. Like it's a great secondary um mechanism to put in place. And it was one of the things that, you know, Florida uh, codified and uh, uh, really drilled down on, um, you know, following 2020. Uh, And I know uh, other states, other states did as well, but it really should be like universal. The concept of not having some secondary identification number besides a signature that isn't really being verified all the time on a ballot is is just an insult to democracy itself.
2: We're talking to Jason Cole with Voter Trust, nonprofit organization looking at election integrity across the country. And when we come back after this short break, we're going to focus on some of the solutions to the difficulties we're having in being able to rely on the vote, being able to say, yeah, American democracy is alive and well and healthy as opposed to being ripped and torn at the edges and, frankly, into the body politic itself. Integrity is what it's all about. Go to parkerdk.com during this short break. Wise counsel winning results. And go to mypillow.com. You know, not only Mike Lindell will appreciate it, but many others. And I'll tell you, uh, I just ordered... The other day, a uh, new set of sheets. Why? These sheets are awesome. I'm da- I mean, I got them. Yeah. Use the offer code VICTORY for up to 66% off. We'll be right back. ParkerDK.com. Stay with us. We're back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and thank you once again for joining us. Coast to coast, we have listeners live streaming. Indeed, uh, as well, from Texas up to Montana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the five-state Midwest, California to New York City, and even across the, uh, the ocean there to Israel is... My son might be listening to us this week. So we're talking to Jason Cole. We're talking election integrity. Jason uh, founded Arsenal Media Group, a political consultant organization that he heads up and is really at the point of the spear in terms of understanding what works in terms of counting the vote, making sure that eligible voters do vote, uh, and also understanding the rules. Because as a political consultant, whether you like the rules or not, you better understand them so that you can deal with them and actually come out ahead in the end one way or another. But having a set of rules with integrity is important. Jason, on the other side, we were talking about some of the problems that we are seeing now in uh, the American electoral system, election Mm -hmm. system. Uh, What are the solutions? What do you think we need to do to turn around what has really destroyed our election system over the last 20 years, and in particular during COVID? I think
1: the... Two biggest things that can be done is number one, um, ballot harvesting. That the entire system of having paid employees go out and collect pieces of paper and then have bonuses and incentives based upon how much paper they collect should be a felony. Um, taking it to a third degree fel- felony in Florida, I mean, it kept the entire Democratic uh, turnout machine out of the state. And I mean, that's a really understated thing. Like the entire Democratic national apparatus. Is set up to where ballot harvesting is their turnout model. If you go through the close states, the fringe house seats that we lost, there was millions and millions of national dollars that were invested into those house seats that caught into ballot harvesting that caused those margins. Whether we be we're talking about Joe Kent in Washington State or um, uh, any other of those
2: other edge seats for this uh, House majority to be as close as it is. Um, when, when we're talking and, about ballot harvesting, are the ballots that are being picked up in large quantities, uh, is it just an issue that they're being picked up and, and dropped off? Or is it an issue that some of them or many of them are actually fraudulent ballots? Well, the
1: real issue is when you have a chain of custody going through a democratic operative, uh, to being counted, or through a Republican operative being counted. I mean, there's a misplaced trust. I mean, we're not really in a system right now to where Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump are going to sit down and have tea together. Right. Um, so that entire system of having a paid employee for one side has strong incentives for that side to win, to be there, it just really shouldn't exist. And I think that bleeds into the second main point I would make, which is uh, prohibiting the Zucker box. Um, you know, it's, underreported or i think under understood about the impact that mark zuckerberg had in 2020 um and i don't you know i'm not saying there's any ill intent in his part necessarily but he did spend hundreds of millions of dollars in the bluest counties in the country to augment the election
2: supervisor's process during covid what does that mean augment the election supervisor's process like milwaukee
1: county uh wisconsin um the election supervisor's office received millions of dollars to improve their operating system to combat covid and what that really means is that you have people that are issuing mail-in ballots and people that are working to collect mail-in ballots inside of milwaukee county um and whether
2: i'm not subscribing intent there i mean they're and it's not illegal we, we, we for Zuckerbach to do that. I mean, yeah, he's got I mean, the right to do it. Yeah.
1: Well, counties and government officials shouldn't be have their entire election apparatus paid for by a billionaire, regardless of party. Like if we came into uh, if you had a Republican billionaire, like King Griffin come into Chicago and say, I'm gonna run elections in Chicago, and suddenly you had different people winning, like that like there would be democratic outcries and protests in the street. When that's happened on this, on in this case in 2020, and those same things happened, like it became like, you can't talk about it. Um, and and you had immediate blackouts across the board on, well, they're crazy. We can't even talk about those issues. It was the most secure election ever. And by any demonstrable fact, I mean, it was not the most secure election ever. It probably was the least secure election that we've had in generations, Um and, you know, voter trust's main objective is to get, get us back to a point where you can have confidence
2: in what those results are, uh, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on. And so what about just vote by mail and the fact that you can drop off your ballot weeks in advance and that you can drop it off in, uh, you know, hundreds of locations in, you know, mailboxes, voting boxes, as it were, weeks in advance uh, and that you don't need voter ID. Are those issues or, or problems that should be secured?
1: Well, voter ID, to me, is a huge one. Um, I mean, and it's a bigger issue now than ever. I mean, when you combine uh, the lack of voter ID in uh, Firm Blue areas with the influx of uh, legal immigration that's been allowed into this country – uh, during the Biden years. I mean you're talking about 12 million non-citizens that have come in are not tracked. And if you don't have some semblance of voter ID, there's no reason they can't be registered. Um and that's that's just kind of a, a level of absurdity to allow uh allow foreigners to vote in your elections.
2: Yeah. And you know the the voter ID laws well we we saw a change in the voter ID laws in, in Georgia. And as a result mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the charge of racism uh, was spewed forth uh, and they lost the All-Star game, as we all know, to Colorado. Which had which, by the way, Georgia's laws were more
1: permissive than Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like the specific the specific issue there was Georgia went from in 2020 not requiring a driver's license number on a mail Ballot to be returned to in 2022, requiring the last four digits of a state ID to be on a ballot for it to be counted, which Colorado already mandated. So you ripped this game out of uh, a heavily black, uh, heavily African American community with a lot of African American businesses that would have benefited from this national event, and went into a community with very small African American president or um, presence in the name of or racism. Uh, I mean, it was an absurd cell phone, and I don't really blame MLB for that. I mean, they're just a business that's reacting towards this outside pressure. And you know, if you have thirty thousand people email you in a day for some level of absurdity, you just want you just want to stop. Um, as as a corporation, and go back about your business. It's uh, it, it was insane to see that that happen and it, it's one of those things that in like woke corporate climates where people just want it to stop it's like the loudest voice wins um what? and it's been nice to i guess see a little bit of a, a little bit of a clap back on that from the republican side with bud light and target over the last uh last few months
2: you've been taught you've talked about uh florida as turning around its mm-hmm. election structure uh through uh completely revised legislation, amend, uh, amendments to their process. Uh, what are some of the other states that are starting to make changes or taking a look at it? Is there hope really that uh, the swing states in particular are going to take action like Florida? I think it's such a contentious issue at this point
1: in time. Uh, and when you combine that, the Supreme court's case that the uh, state legislative theory won't hold weight and state courts can weigh in. That on was it. That just, just issued. Yeah. It was you, just
2: issued this week.
1: Correct. Um, like you really need a bipartisan government to make it happen. Uh, so you need to focus in where you actually have Republicans in power to put sane laws in place. Otherwise they're not going to achieve it again. So if we look at, um, Blue to purple states, the next one up that might uh, might have a chance is Virginia, who has state Senate elections this fall. And if you win, I think it's two or three state Senate seats in Virginia at that point in time, you might be able to roll some of these things back that are uh, broadly in place Um, because you're going to have House of Delegate control and you're going to have Governor Young in place.
2: Fascinating. When uh, we come back from this short break, we're going to talk to Jason Cole, our special guest today on the Victory Hour, about uh, the work that Voter Trust uh, does. Go to votertrust.org to learn more about this election in- integrity organization that is, you know, trying to save democracy, trying to save. Uh, the foundation of our democracy, and that is our election system. Virginia may be the next uh, to take a look at this issue. We'll see what some of the other states are. But again, we're going to learn about what voter trust is and what the vision is for the organization. Talking to Jason Cole, founder of Arsenal Media Group and with Voter Trust. Nonprofit organization regarding election integrity. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us for our final segment. Hello there. Andrew Parker, it's the Victory Hour. Uh, Welcome back. As we're talking voter integrity, an issue that I'm spending a lot of time on because it really is at the core, not just of our democracy, but also in protecting the First Amendment. Like it was with COVID, where if you talked about the illness or the vaccine in a way that was not consistent with the mainstream, you were destroyed. You were canceled. Many people lost their job, their career. Uh, We're representing some of them right now, but in the same vein, if you talk about elections and, Oh God forbid that you should be labeled an election denier, Ah, an election denier, Oh, crackpot. Conspiracy nut. That's what those labels mean. It cancels you. And it cancels your ideas. Even if they are good ideas when brought into the marketplace. The public square. So a little more important than fighting for those principles. And whoever you are out there listening who might disagree, wait till you get gored with that sort of cancel culture yourself. We're talking to Jason Cole, a political consultant, understands elections, voting, and the count. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the result. And if you can't rely on the process for giving you a clean result, what do you do? Jason, uh, we were talking on the other side about the status of changes in various states. You mentioned Virginia might be the next to take a look at, uh, what is voter trust and, uh, describe what it's doing out in the marketplace on elections.
1: Well, the three main, the main
2: issues, um, that
1: we've discussed so far are our focus. So uh, making ballot harvesting illegal, ideally as a low-class low, low class felony, making sure that you're cleaning voter rolls and you're requiring the local supervisors of elections to check for ineligible voters on a regular basis, and outlawing billionaires coming in to fund election systems. So those are the primary focuses of, uh, of voter trust. And you know, we've used our network, uh, uh, Jake and my, myself, uh, throughout the country to go ahead and get legislation introduced in uh, about, uh, I believe, 10 states over the last year, at least. And, and House, when you say Jake, you're country.
2: referring to uh, Jake Kaufman?
1: Jake Kaufman, yeah. um, who's the executive director of the organization. And, um, you know, there's a New Hampshire session where we'll have some bills coming before the election committee this fall. Uh, we hope to make uh, make some headway there and possibly get something through New Hampshire. Uh, but Virginia to me is a, a big one. You have off-year state senate elections here, uh, and if the Republicans actually have full control over the state government of Virginia, it's probably the last opportunity they're going to have to stop automated mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting inside of the state. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'd be hard pressed to see a situation to where you have as talented of a, ca- a candidate as uh, uh, Yunkin was to go ahead and have a fifteen-point swing in a state and take control of the state legislator to uh, uh, be able to amend those laws. And with those changes, I think the state becomes much more competitive uh, moving forward in the future.
2: Well, it's difficult. We know it here in Minnesota. Once uh, uh, the Democrats take charge of the house and the Senate, now they have the governor's mansion as well. uh, The impact that that can have on elections and cementing, their control for years and years to come is enormous. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the opportunity to make uh, changes, significant changes for both sides so that there can be some reliability uh, is slipping away and it needs to be attacked now, if at all. You know, you mentioned your third prong, which was, preventing billionaires from coming in and funding uh, election processes. Yeah, Uh, that's a you know, it's a tricky one for those who believe in the First Amendment and believe in the ability of uh, people with means spending their money the way they wish to spend their money. Uh, Campaign finance reform. uh, You remember Mm McCain-Feingold. Uh, has been an issue for many, uh, many years. How do you square those corners? Well, we need trust in the election system. And
1: if someone comes in and says, I'm going to go ahead and staff the entire supervised you know, pay for the entire election supervision department. Uh, at that point in time, like, I mean, pardon me, but I mean, that does not seem like, uh, I wouldn't. Wa- I wouldn't want that person to not be on my side or not voting for my candidate, and I don't think anyone else would either, right? So, I mean, if you have if you have someone coming in to do that, it's it's questionable, even if it's being pushed through a C three organization and whatnot. And you know, Zuckerberg spent hundreds of millions of dollars doing that, and I don't think he writing the check sent out a directive to say, "Hey, I want you to go ahead and go to these areas and do that." I don't think he was involved in that strategy. I think he stroked the check, most likely. Yeah and thought, oh, it's COVID. I'm going to be good, a good American. And the people that he actually were, had hired and came in there executed it in such a political manner that it easily changed the outcome in multiple races in 2020, uh, which is why he said, I will not do that again in the future. And he stopped it, I think, like the blowback from doing that. I mean, he's a, he's a smart enough individual to like look, at, look at the
2: outcomes and be like, well, that wasn't exactly what I intended. And I'm sure that's what he did. How did it change the outcomes? What, what is it that was done to change the outcomes?
1: Well, you had hundreds of millions of dollars going into uh, essentially a privately funded turnout mechanism for COVID era rules on ballots. So you had more people collecting ballots. You had more people issuing ballots. You had more people. Um, all on you know, one side of the equation. All on one side of the equation, all yep. in urban, urban centers, which led to, you know, I mean, you counted, uh, what, 12, 13 million more ballots for Biden than you did for Obama? Ever. Yeah. Like, that's like if, if you disregard everything else, I mean, that that seems crazy, like something was different. Right. Eight years later for that for that popular of a president to be beaten by that type of margin.
2: So, Jason, uh, we got about one minute left. Uh, what is the vision of voter trust? How can people uh, reach out and support uh, what you're doing for voter uh, integrity? election and yeah, it's a uh, voter uh, donations are going directly to funding
1: full-time staff to uh, assist and work with uh, uh, Alec and other organizations to go ahead and put legislation through state election committees and guarantee floor
2: votes uh, ahead of 2024 outstanding voter trust.org go learn more Jason, thanks very much for joining us on the Victory Hour this uh, beautiful Sunday. And Listen, all of you out there, next week, uh, I am uh, hoping to have Tom Emmer on the show. But with his schedule, sometimes uh, it, it gets pushed. I, I'm sure I'll have him in July in any event. And if we don't have Tom Emmer, next week, I'm going to talk about The Saudis and the live golf tour and the merger of golf and what it has meant to golf. Is it just a sporting event that was, you know, some money got thrown into or is it a much bigger issue for our culture? our society to
0: the victory hour with Andrew Parker that's next week Parker Daniel's keyboard until Voice then
2: Council.
0: winning results. I wish you would do today and today
2: say Andrew have a great Parker week DK.com. until next time he leaves
0: you with these words from Winston Churchill all the great things are simple and many can be expressed in a single word freedom justice honor duty mercy and hope